They're spooky. They're bitches. They're the spooky bitches of Lubbock. And they're coming to YouTube September 2019. Follow the Spooky Six as they navigate the alternative art scene in Lubbock, Texas. If you love Halloween, art, Lubbock, and the things that go bump in the night, follow the Spooky Six on Facebook and Instagram. They're not basic bitches. They're spooky bitches. My fellow tigers, and welcome to the Holidays Podcast. I am your host, Mary Jane. Some people call me Danae, but tonight you can call me MJ. We have special guests this evening who I think might read comic books. We have Andrew and Cole from Hey Kids Comics. How are you guys? Hey, I, we're hey, con- hey, we're con- Cole. I, I'm I'm confused. I'm. I'm Florkin. You're Flor. You're, you're de- yeah. We're definitely Florkin because I thought this was Hey Kids comics, didn't you? This is I, this is Hollandaise podcast. The Hollandaise podcast. You, you invited us I onto this it. show. Yeah. Is, is Hollandaise that the half of Holland Oats podcast that? It... <laughs> <laughs> Because here's the thing, on Hey Kids Comics, Cole and I are wrapping up a three-issue story arc about all the Spider-Man movies, and we had gotten to the point with Tom Holland. I didn't even know this podcast existed before tonight. Oh, when podcast exists. He's the patron saint of all 1996-born, 5'8-foot-standing, spider-loving... That is that's strangely specific. It's but... really disconcerting. <laughs> I would put it into that category. Disconcerting. Um so uh on this podcast, which is named the Hollandaise Podcast, is that the name? Cause yeah, that... I would have sworn this was like Hey Kids Comics three thirty three hundred and thirty, I think. I think it is. I think that's what it was. Uh, it I, I would have sworn it was Hey Kids Comics 330, Toby to Tom, Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, Part 3, Going Dutch. <laughs> Which is the... have a simple damn title. <laughs> are you sure that this is your podcast, Danae? Are you sure you guys are in the right universe? You know... Because this is a multiverse. Nah, see, that might be the problem. So here's... I got a, I got a solution. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is a team-up so that we can finish out our story arc on Spider-Man and, t- and, and actually talk about Tom Holland, and you can continue... I don't know where Holland Day's podcast is coming, originating, but we originate out of Earth 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah. 11, 12. It is a long-ass number... 
we're way down the list. Like when there's a, a gathering or, you know, when you're having to wait for your turn in line. Yeah. Because I'm from Universe 626, and in that universe, the only films that exist are (laughs) Tom Holland movies. Those are the only films that it's... God. So, is there anything... From Impossible to the new new Dr. Doolittle. Those are the only movies we're allowed to see. I'll say that Netflix must be just a ripoff. Yeah. <laughs> that and there really aren't any movies before 2006 ever. What did what happened in your universe prior to 2006? What well, happened Santa, when Tom Universe 626? That we that's when we blinked into existence. Tom Holland's career, like oh now we're now we. Exist. Oh, oh wait, so somewhere there was a crisis on Tom Holland's Earth that upon the birth of Tom Holland's split the timeline in such a way that now a universe solely exists for Tom Holland's? Correct. Oh, Jesus. Okay. And also, Holland's is a sauce. I just want to be clear on where Cole and I are from. Maybe where you come from, it's actually a nation. We're Hollanders from Holland's. Do they have um, Holland's? In Hollandaise? <laughs> On June the 1st, we celebrate the birth oh, of our patron saint, Tom Holland. So, I'm going to try. I know, Danae, I know this is the Hollandaise podcast. <laughs> okay? How many. I got to ask, first of all, before we get into this, how many episodes of this podcast exist? We're on. 7,289. <laughs> so you've been literally doing this podcast since Tom Holland was born? Yes. And wow. pretty much like a new podcast every uh, 20 minutes. Every 20 minutes. Documenting everything that happens. Last week was a really big day because he shaved his head. So we're all kind of trying to figure out if we're going to have a future in this universe. <laughs> Bald Tom well, Holland is so, is is a scary thing. So in Colonized Universe, we were introduced to this young man um, as the character Spider-Man, and up to this point, we have discussed: Do you guys have a a Tobey Maguire in your universe? No, no, no just no. <laughs> what about Andrew Garfield? Oh God, no. Yeah, you don't get to have that reaction if you don't have him in your universe. How would you know better? I mean, you're, you're spot on. I'm going to give you that, but that could be circumstantial. It's all... it could be completely coincidental. Well, we were introduced to him as Spider-Man in Civil War, an Avengers movie. So I guess my other question is, do you have Avengers in... Are you talking about the war documentaries where Tom saved all of those other, like, super steroided out grody dudes. <laughs> is that the movie you're talking about? The war documentary? <laughs> the war documentary. I just imagine your Avengers being seven Tom Hollands. <laughs> I mean, clearly you live in a universe that I would love to die in, but uh, <laughs> we, we really need to get on with our discussion of your 
sovereign leader. Your patron saint and sovereign leader, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. <laughs> so we were introduced to Tom Holland's in Civil War, which was an Avengers movie. And um, I guess the first thing I want to say now, uh, Danae, you're not going to have much point of reference, but I did um, in the in in the intro to this show send you um, via multiverse uplink. All of the other Spider-Man movies that exist for Cole and I. So have you had a chance yeah. to watch those? I have. Okay, good. In that twenty, yeah. which you were... he used the link with uh, you, BoomTube. Yes. <laughs> Damn it, Cole. I gotta write that down. Hold on. <laughs> you a boom a tube. Okay, it's it's written down now. We're not gonna forget it. All right. Um. So. In comparison to the other Spider-Men, and I know this isn't a, a fair comparison for for you, Danae, but um, where do you? God, I can't even believe I'm asking this question. Where do you fall? Like, how does he place, and why, to like the other two people that you've now seen play Spider-Man? Number one, always. Okay, but why? Critically, why? Like, I want to know why. <laughs> Is that you talking or Tom Holland talking? I mean, seriously. Your world. I, I like, have to obey the law. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. If you're like on like Luther world, you damn sure better say that Lex Luther is the greatest guy in the world. Right. So in your like land of Mister Holland, this your... crazy bean universe, it would not be Tom Holland. Well, I know. We're, so... we're, in, we're at Earth one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve. We're... We just only have the one Tom Holland uh, who's only been around since uh, Civil War. He's yeah. really he's been around since the Civil War. <laughs> well, well, my my he answers my number one complaint about any Spider-Man who's appeared on screen, and that complaint is he's not forty-five years old. <laughs> you know, he's not he's not a hundred years old trying to play Spider-Man and convince me of the fact that this is a high school student that yeah. now you know has a suit he's actually young enough to be a high school student yeah, i want to say I mean, that I again he's young fire. enough to be a high school student <laughs> go ahead yeah, Cole. In my universe, i i love me the toby mcguire movies because that's all we had in our universe to right. start with much like start. you and tom holland and yours and at this you had to there was a lot of suspension of disbelief from the organic web shooters, which were frightening and awkward and kind of ropey strand. And Definitely ropey. The, uh, the Benjamin Button disease, Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's true, though. It's true, <laughs> though. Thank you, some automated tech for the webs. And, you know, found a, yet another use a, a thousand third use for super glue. Right. <laughs> Into webs by, you know, rapid spinning motion. Uh, the thousand second was in the movie FX with the Bryans, Brian Dennehy and Brian God, I love that. Brown. I love that movie. I love that movie so much. I still think we could pull, I, I still, Cole, I still think we could pull that off as a Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> we should do the Bryans. We should get, uh, well, of course, we can get, uh, uh, James Dolan's as Brian Blessed. Yes, we should just do all the Brian's. Yeah, we just need a Brian Keith and a, a Brian Cranston. And 
Danae, would you be willing to come to our universe and be our Brian May? Just tease your hair I'll out. Do it. Grab I'll a guitar. <laughs> get real. Oh my get real mad when anybody uses your songs in their commercials. That might be the consent. only Brian that I could pull off, but I think I could do it. <laughs> we're, we're halfway there. We're halfway there, baby. Um, yeah, so I like my Spider-Man to not get an AARP card. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really, I'm really glad that they, th- so here's, I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, what, what well, made, I think I've got a way you could describe. Okay. Okay. Here's the descriptor. Basically the Holland <laughs> is at the grocery store. He is the bag boy. Okay. He's the one bagging groceries. Andrew Garfield is the one running the register. He's all okay. early and he's worked his way up the chain. Okay. And then, I'm not talking like right now. I'm talking about when they were in their movies. If you pluck them from the time stream. And okay. Fire is the manager. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. See, I was thinking, college, but you know, got really into the grocery business. So I think if you put all three of them, plucked in the timeline, put them in a movie about. Our grocery store? Yeah. <laughs> put them put them in a grocery store movie. That's you got your casting done right there. Let's pitch it. Let's For take God's it. Sake, for the green grocer. I'll meet you in Hollywood, baby. We're gonna pitch this bitch. <laughs> There's enough streaming services we can get it on one. That's for sure. I don't know which one it's gonna be. Probably be that one like uh, that one Canadian. What is that? Pulse? I don't know what it is, but I bet you we can get Pulse. it on there. I bet you we can get it on there. There's 3,000. How do I not have a show? There are 3,000 streaming services in the world. How do I not have a show yet? That's what I want to know. Hallmark has their own streaming service. I don't have a – I don't have nothing. Of course you know that. Of course you know that. I star-studded grocery aisle, the movie. That's that's right. And it's a damn musical, like Les Miserables, where nobody is really a singer. Okay. Tom Holland can't sing, though, so – there you go. He was in Billy Elliot, so Jesus I'm just saying. I I just wanted <laughs> to say saturated as you are. I want I wanted this. I wanted a setup to where I could say that Tom Holland was Dunkaroos because we were in a grocery store, and <laughs> and I wanted Tom Holland to be the Dunkaroos. I was thinking that uh, Andrew Garfield could be like the Lunchables, right? <laughs> and then uh, Tobey Maguire is like the. Um, the, Hungry man, frozen food. Yeah, or or like the loose the, the loose sandwich at the deli. You know, oh. but okay. So like you go in and you want you want the loose sandwich at the deli. Like you want to pick up that loose sandwich and get yourself a bag yeah. of chips and have a have a proper lunch, right? But then you're like, yeah, I'm forty, but they're lunchables. I remember lunchables being really good. And yeah. then you're like, but what about Dunkaroos? Then I'll really feel like a kid. Then I'll really feel like a kid. I'll feel like, yeah. yeah. And that's so I'm. I, the, it's sort of a, a non-physical Benjamin Button regression. It is. It's a metaphorical, imaginary, star-studded grocery store Benjamin Button's regression story. Oh it's a Terrence Malick oh, movie. Hi. I'm pitching this now as a Terrence Malick movie. Think Terrence Malick. Think Tree of Life, but instead of the tree. As long as we can have Idris Elba as the district manager, I'm on board. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God, you're so kidding me? Aunt Margaret, Mary Jane. 
there's four wow. Mary Janes. All right. What <laughs> one of them is one of them is a bottle of two percent milk. One of them is Anne Margaret. One of them is Renee Zellweger. I don't know why. Oh, Jesus. Um, and one of them is Hugh Grant. Don't ask. All right, it's cast. It's done. We're waiting on the pickups now. We're waiting on the pickups. It's going to be a very quiet movie. It's going to be a very quiet movie. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking about. <laughs> God damn it! I was what, thinking of. <laughs> I was thinking about. Any Tom Holland Spidey movie? I was thinking about Spider-Man today, and and how they got it right. And I think there are multiple reasons. Reason number one is, and it's hard to. It's, it's, it's hard to conceptualize, so I'm going to do my best, is that, and it's the reason I think that the Marvel movies have been so successful since Iron Man, is they, somebody woke up, and it's probably Kevin Feige or Feige or whatever his name is, um, woke up. Feige. It, is it? I don't know. Is it, really? Woke up, you know, somebody woke up and said, instead of the perception of the way we think a comic book should be a la X-Men or Blade or, you know, any, they even did it in the, in the, in the 89 Batman movie. It worked in that one. Right. But that's the only one they've done it in where it worked. Let's, we're, we're going to take the comic as is, right. We're going to cast as is instead of having an, an established, you know, 28 year old actor playing a high school student which is par for the course right in in movies happens all the time we're actually going to get a kid to play spider-man you know instead of getting arnold schwarzenegger to play iron man because he's a he's a you know an action star he's a bank of a draw yeah we're going to get robert downey jr to do this and you know we're going to get chris evans who at that point had a really awesome body of work but just Nobody thought he could be Captain America. Rent cellular, that's practice for Captain America. Uh, I, I was gonna say rent losers. That's <laughs> for not, you don't need you. to you don't need to for I don't care what reason you need to just rent it. <laughs> just rent it and watch Jeffrey Dean Morgan. <laughs> Nothing and, no context whatsoever. Just yeah. Rent just rent it and watch okay. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Edris Elba is in that movie. And uh, Chris Evans is in that movie. That movie is fantastic. That is one of the greatest comic book movies. Um, (laughs) What? Chris Evans is on History Chicken. Jesus Christ. I wish we could just rename this episode to (laughs) Idris Elba is the Rotisserie Chicken. Um, That needs to be on a t-shirt. Yep. But, so... Uh, I'm going to ask Danae this question. <laughs> I, I'm going to ask it. Um, did you, so we had our Earths, we've had our Earths, Danae, on this show multiple times. <laughs> I was so, going to say, as much as I hate to break your beautiful ruse, it, it, I will have to be real Danae for like two seconds because uh, you have had me on the show even when I claim to only like DC. So, so, uh, but you didn't have. I mean, you've you've been on the show on the record saying that you don't read a lot of comic books, right? Okay, correct. So, so this Spider Man, you know, the the Tom Holland Spider Man, did they really do an established origin 
for this character in the movies. I think, I think what they did is as many times as because I did see the Tobey Maguire movies in the theater. I didn't see the Andrew Garfield ones, but I had seen them before. Um, so I feel like what really happened with this. They Marvel had been doing such a good job building this universe and reintroducing characters that everyone already loved, but this was a character that maybe was more established in the cinematic world by different films with Toby and, and Andrew, and so when they brought in Tom, they absolutely had to make it a brand new origin story. They had to refocus it and make it be the same vibe that the rest of the Marvel movies are and I think the best thing that they did capture from the comics from what I hear is his like quippiness and his like actual nerdiness and Peter Parker is just like a geeky kid who got some really rad powers and they captured it I I don't know like I had no desire to even see Civil War and that's a film that changed how I feel about Marvel. And a big part of that is because of Tom Holland. Well, um, they gave us someone to care about. <laughs> you don't have well, to defend it, it. You're on a comic book show. Exactly. <laughs> and the thing they did is they made Spider-Man the kind of fish out of water that he was mm-hmm. early on. This awkward growing pains of being born a, a super superhero in a world where superheroes already existed right and the early days of the comics he goes to the ff for example because you know who do you turn to well he couldn't turn to the ff in the cinematic universe yet so he goes to the next best thing a la spider-man and his amazing friends he's gonna go and get backing of tony stark right well what's go ahead and tony sees a lot of himself in spider-man and this is the the real brilliance of Sony pulling their heads out of their asses and realizing it's a gold mine to hitch your wagon to this star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they had done nothing but fail with the Amazings. Yep. And Andrew Garfield. It was just this disjointed pile of garbage. And the studio derailed via notes the vision of the, uh, you know, the Bonanza theory version of Spider-Man, which is you have, you know, a Bonanza where you have a 40-year-old father and his 38-year-old sons. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, Cole. I don't think... Hey, I, I stole that from something. I can't tell you what it was because um, the restraining order, but... The restraining order. I... I think, so, you know, I can almost see the room where the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man are being pitched, right? Where, you know, they're trying to explain their vision of Spider-Man. And, you know, I can almost see the room where the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man are, Spider-Man are being pitched. Where I can almost see that, and I can see the studio notes, right? And I, I think this one went more like, we just want to put Spider-Man in it. Like, straight out of the comic books. Well, we need to, we're not doing an origin we're not doing it. Like everybody knows who Spider-Man is. Like he's an awkward kid that, you know, gets these powers and all of a sudden, you know, has to play almost in this terms, almost immediately in the big leagues. And and that's uh, that's part of the brilliance of introducing Spider-Man in 
Captain America's feature is like everybody else, he's secondary to Cap and Bucky's story. Right. He plays a major role and he gets to interact. And, you know, you get that wonderful interplay where it's like, he can't believe that he is a teenager overseas with big league superheroes and no passport. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I literally, he's like the Dante Hicks of superheroes. I'm like, he's supposed to be here today. Right. Tony Stark showed up at my house, and a week later, I'm in, you know, I, where were they? Poland? I don't remember where they are. But wherever <laughs> wherever they're going at it, like, I'm here. You know, and I want to, and, and I want to make a good impression on Tony. Like, I don't care. Like, that was the cool thing for me. It's like, I don't care about any of you. Like, like this is cool and all, but, you know, my my hero is here. Like, all y'all, all the rest of y'all, whatever. Uh, you know. Right. He doesn't even have a dog in the fight. He's just following Tony's lead. Right. Which makes Tony a colossal asshole. <laughs> and I don't think realize that until just now. So, you're welcome. Well, but when you see, like... I mean, I definitely feel that too, and I'm like, God, you're like, pit, you know, pitting him against some of the greatest superheroes. But like that part where he's, yeah, Cap, Cap did something wrong, you know, like it. He doesn't even know what it, what it is that's going on, but he's like, yeah, Cap's wrong. Like he just has that pure innocence where he's like, I want to do good and I want to do right. And and Tony said that what they're doing is wrong, and I've got to, I've got to protect America, and. It's just that, like, super pure, dri- I have to use it, drippingly innocent. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's that it's naivete. So perfect. It's, it's almost like in South Park where they drove the kids out to the Gulf War protest. And like, and what do you think, little boy? Uh, no blood for oil? Yeah. Well, it's like, it, it's honestly, it's, it's very, very Bruce Wayne. It's very, very, oh, yeah. I'm going to recruit this kid because he's smart and that's the other thing that they did really well we talked about it with the other two where on an adventure uh, it's adventure i teens says adventure i teens always causing problems man um where you know your your toby mcguire i just didn't get the fact that he was as he was supposed to be as smart as you know as peter parker is supposed to be (laughs) Andrew Garfield, no. I did, but he was also a you know a colossal dick, you know, as yeah. Spider-Man, you know, as, as Peter Parker, he had way too much like cocky, arrogant self-confidence. And the thing about it is, it's like great power comes great responsibility. My ass, right? <laughs> he would have made a really good Flash Thompson, but I don't know if Peter right. Parker was his his angle. I got better Flash Thompson. Damn Topher Grace. I God damn it. I nice. got the I got the sense from you know um from Tom Holland that for his age level, for where he was supposed to be, that he was that smart and that Tony could see that. You know, he right. didn't need to invent a nuclear reactor to be that intelligent. He you know, but he also needed to be able to Tony needed to be able to see something in him to say this kid is smart enough for me to intelligent enough and has the potential for me to take him under my wing and make him the next me basically the same way that Batman does it with you know with 
Dick Grayson or Jason Todd, where it's like where Dick Grayson in the comics finally says, you brought me, you know, you took me under your bat wing to (laughs) groom me to be the new Batman and you never retired. Right. (laughs) Right. At least Tom Holland got the death of Iron Man to step into that role. (laughs) You know, at some point, Dick must have been thinking about fragging Bruce's ass. Right? Like, I'm going to run away and call myself Nightwing. Good on you. Get on your shoulder pads. Get out there, buddy. Get out there and make it happen. Um, I am going to be Batman until I'm old and decrepit and have to use, like, some kind of exoskeleton just to move my old dead joints. And even then... (laughs) Even then, you can't be Batman. <laughs> Fuck, you what? can't. You son of a you old gray son of a bitch. I'm gonna get somebody else to do it. <laughs> Shut up. You're such an asshole. To be the new Nightwing, so when your ass dies, I can finally be Batman. <laughs> oh God, no! But I finally got the sense that they got they nailed that right. They nailed that intelligence where he's smart enough that Tony's like, I'll give you a suit that it took me, you know, 10 years to figure out how to use. And you can figure out how to use it in a week and a half while we fly you overseas with happy damn Hogan. How about that? (laughs) And he, and he, and he does, you know, like, and he figures it out. And the rest of these can do $150 million in damage on foreign soil. (laughs) Right, we can call like, it a literal international incident. Nobody else had any damn business there. At least Wanda could say, "Hey, I, you know, I live in a neighboring fake country." <laughs> right, right. I bet you. I, I bet. Um, I bet Black Panther can claim diplomatic immunity, but anyone else, they're screwed. They're screwed. But you know, they're, they're, they belong on the raft. But you got some really fun moments with Spider-Man getting to be Spider-Man. And you like yeah. I said the only the only time that that I think in the other movies we got that was with Garfield when you know when he was when he was just starting you got a lot of the kind of the quippy stuff. But a lot of his stuff was more mean. You know, it was more right. pointed. Tom Holland's stuff was very innocent. Like he knows he's fighting Falcon and who else was he fighting in there? It was it was Black Widow. In the in the in the airport terminal. Ant Man. I mean, he fought, he fought all of them, but you know he knew he knew who he was fighting, right? And he was just like, "Well, I'm just gonna." You really get the sense that we talked about that his his joking and his his quips and his sense of humor are a defense mechanism for just completely being out of his death. Oh, you know? yes. <laughs> he that sorts well with Tony, the, the cinematic Tony Stark, who's a lion's ass. Right. Right. They play perfectly. They're both hyper-intelligent, they're both highly accomplished, figuring out the impossible technologies and they both enjoy the pithy quips. Right. So that's where we were introduced to to 
Spider-Man was in Civil War, which was interesting because of the fact that he didn't get his own movie. You know, it was it was sort right. of, it, and it was very last minute them putting him in that movie. So it was kind of a shocker when we got him. Like, no, if if memory serves, you know, it was one of those things where it was like a month before or two months before the movie came out, we started hearing rumblings that Spider-Man might be in this movie. And we we're like, what yeah, the hell? I think you're remembering quite correctly. And also, you know, while the impact of that was very deep, I don't want to go, you know, lose too much of our our time to not and not talk about the springboard into solo films. Oh, yeah. As well as continued involvement as a part of the Avengers. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the really interesting thing that they can do with their universe, right? Is they can they can introduce a character in the last half hour of a movie and all of a sudden that character is what everybody wants a la yeah. <laughs> um, our oh, guest yeah. tonight um, <laughs> and and springboard that into a solo movie that we understand who that character is and we understand everything we need to know about this version of Spider-Man we've already been given so we can just go right in. We know all the players. Exactly. Them throwing him in there. Then when we get to Homecoming, it is a home. It's a Homecoming movie. It's not a retelling of Uncle Ben. And so we already know who he is. We already love him. And we didn't have to have another sob story. We could just go straight into falling more in love with the character and learning more about his his journey as Spider-Man and not Peter Parker. Right. Well, uh, and the thing about it is, given Aunt May's age in the MC, Tobey Maguire could have played Uncle Ben. <laughs> <laughs> you aren't wrong, dude. You are not wrong. You are not wrong. How old is Tobus Maguire at this point? Well, he does this. Marissa Tomei old, though. Well, Marissa Tomei isn't Marissa Tomei old. That's the thing. It's holy lord. Um, you can have your Tom Holland all day long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let me, let me tell you, Marissa Tomei seriously gives Andy a a, a happy Hogan. She does. Okay, so Tobey Maguire is forty four years old. Or yeah, I think that would be about right. He could he could definitely play ten years older and be be Uncle Ben. Okay. <laughs> Which would have been a really interesting choice. Character acting. I think Come on. Been, yeah, really? Is it character acting? He acted 54 years old in the Spider-Man movies. Is, <laughs> is it not going to be a stretch for him? Um, yeah. I, I could use that sort of uh, Nick Fury and Captain Marvel age, uh, you know, de-aging him so he, he could at least pass for this uh, Marissa Tomei's husband. Listen, they did it with Chris Evans at the end of... Uh, in yeah. game, why not do it? Why not do it with? The, they only need ten years on Tobey Maguire. They could have pulled that off. But, I think, but you know, given the way he looked twenty years ago, he probably looks like Chris Evans. At the end. That's true. That's true. Not wrong, unfortunately. And there's one thing I want to say about about Homecoming that I think is equally as important as you know Toby or Tobey Maguire. God damn it! As Tom Holland's portrayal of Spider Man is. The choice of casting a character that 
I think you're thinking of uh, Tom McGuirefield. I am thinking of Tom. I'm the, Tom. Tom Bias McGuirefield is who I'm thinking of. Um, is a is, you know their their choice of casting in the Vulture, which is a character uh. that never should have made it. Honestly, like how they managed to take a character from Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery that was essentially Tobey Maguire in a skin-tight green costume flying around a city, you know, <laughs> as a as a weird pedophile, and turning yeah. him from that comic book character into the menace, into the menacing character that Michael Keaton managed I, 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 to pull out of it. Defend, I want to defend the comic book vulture. I think that family's <laughs> logic was that sometimes you get a great idea for a super suit so late in life. People <laughs> think, oh. And you just got to go for it. Is that what it is? You, you, damn the torpedoes. <laughs> Yeah, it's like some of these character actors who'd like, you know, they started their career like in their 60s. Right. It's the Henry. <laughs> I've never given up on my dream. It's Henry but, Dean Stanton, yeah. but actually. That Michael Keaton in Homecoming is dead center in age between the original comic vulture and that stupid ass 90s one where he was like. 19 or something yes. inexplicably and packing heat what the hell was that thing I don't know oh, I don't know I'll what you it was about that thing is you're getting one in the mail mister <laughs> you're a son of a bitch but I love you <laughs> um <laughs> damn it but no like Mark words it's happening but outside of just being a really, you know, outside of the fact that in my world, Michael Keaton will never be able to do anything wrong ever, ever. No, ever, ever, ever. Um, he pulled off Tim Burton's Batman despite the pre-internet vitriol. Yeah, yeah. And, and despite what is arguably the most insane uh, uh, Joker to play against in the history of cinema, <laughs> just how do you do, how, I, this is a, an aside, but I would really love some, like, behind-the-scenes director's footage special edition shit where it's just them losing it. Because you oh know they did. You know you can't put those two in a room together oh. in those characters and not have them lose it at least, like, 20 times on some of those insane Tim Burton-esque scene-chewing lines. But <laughs> regardless of that, regardless of how awesome Michael Keaton is right you have to take that spider-man character and juxtapose it against the right villain to really draw out you know all of the things that you love about spider-man which is i think another reason that the other two spider-men while they were successful in the cinemas right didn't live up to what we think spider-man should be is because with the vulture you had the super creepy villain who transcended the lizard and he transcended Green Goblin in the sense that he was a an odd father figure, right? He was, you know, he, he could have easily filled the void that Tony Stark, he was like the anti-Tony Stark. And you need that juxtapos juxtaposed against Tony Stark to really draw out all of the essence of Spider-Man. The youth... You get an almost sympathetic character in this vulture. Right. Where, you know, his 
descent into evil, as it were, or the level of evil he achieves, which is kind of Bush League evil when you get right down to it. But he does, he's a family man. You can remove his story from a superhero genre and tell it as a bank robber, jewel thief story. Right. Where you have a character whose livelihood is threatened and is doing everything he can with his buds to make ends meet. Right. And I think that's the strength of this is you can strip those wings away and, and take that character out of Spider-Man and tell a very similar story. Of, you know, his particular arc could be plugged into anything. And I think that's why it becomes so much more approachable. Right. There's very little wrong with the movie at all, but that's like the the best part. That's what they got the most right for sure, because it's that grounding, especially after coming up from uh, Maguire and Garfield and feeling that like weird tug of war between just like absurdity and hyper realism. Um, and this was just that like grounding of the Spider-Man universe for us. Like he's a real kid. He really goes to school. And this is like a real villain that's believable um, because he just we, we introduce him in this huge Avengers movie. Here's, you know, grounding him like friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And you have to start there in order for it to be believable when he becomes, you know, an actual Avenger and he's Spider-Man and not just a kid in a sweatsuit. And they, they just did that transition like flawlessly, I I toot this movie's horn way more than I should. I know I don't think um, that's true because I, yeah, I don't think you you can over exaggerate because among other things for fanboys like us because regardless of which universe today we interview <laughs> they all universally are not comic readers not lifelong comic readers and even the the casual fan is familiar with Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. And not only did you get Vulture in the lead, you also got a version, a cinematic version of the Shocker. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we're seeing is the cinematic Spider-Mans are now giving us some of the more laughable Spider-Man Rogues Gallery characters reimagined. So you get... I mean, when you get right down to it, Shocker is little more than Taser Hands! Yeah, it's true. That's basically all he is. So what they give you is effectively a hyper Taser Hand guy. But they threw in the, the costume and production elements, little flourishes that fed the fanboy, because he's instead of having a quilted yellow and chocolate full body suit, he... Jacket is reminiscent of the comic costume, right? So fanboys can have that little bit of a chubby. (laughs) You you can't get a full on, but you you just you get a little. Well, I think the MCU's been good about that. Period, though. Like it's the, and I guess. Speaking as someone who definitely used to come on the show and be like, I don't even like Marvel, and now I'm, you know, got MCU tattooed on my forehead. 
Um, I think where Star Wars struggles, and I'm not going to start that conversation, but where Star Wars struggles with introducing new casual fans or brand new fans and still placating fanboys, Marvel still does that really well um, because it's like, hey, this is a completely new version of this hero, but here's enough of the heart of the character that you're still going to be okay with it if you did grow up with the comics. Um, I, Of course, I'm saying that as someone who hasn't read the comics, but from what, <laughs> especially my husband, who loves Spider-Man, that is his that is his character that's who he's loved since he was younger and even growing up watching the 90s animated Spider-Man right um Mary Jane in her tacky yellow sweatshirt and cowboy boots um, <laughs> I just feel like there's there's those little Oh my god <coughs> No I... oh. here's the thing right and as you know, as we're approaching 350 issues of this podcast, or 7,001, depending on which podcast <laughs> you're listening to, um, we have been, we have covered every superhero movie that has been released in the last 12 years, in one form or another. Our biggest bitch of all of them, if you listen and you, and you read between the lines, is... We read, you know, from my earliest memories, I read Spider-Man. You know, whether it was casually or whether I was super invested in whatever particular book it was, I read Spider-Man because it induces in you the comic book, if written correctly, which for the most part it has been sans a couple storylines, um, it, it induces it triggers a part of the brain that releases the chemical that makes you feel a certain way about that character. Right, and that's what keeps you coming back. You were late, um, and that's the same for Iron Man. That's the same for Captain America. That's the same for the Avengers, the Hulk, whatever it is. This is the first movie that I saw, Homecoming, that I saw that I finally said, people that haven't read the comic books can come and see this movie and feel the same way that I did when I was a kid and I started reading Spider-Man comics. Yes. And that's all we have wanted from comic book movies since the beginning of the comic of comic book movies, and this and movie finally we, nailed it. As was pointed out, and uh, this is something we're going to be that it's a theme that kind of waxes and wanes in comic cinema, and we saw it crest with things like The Dark Knight and Black Panther, where people didn't go see a good comic book movie. They went and saw a good movie right. that happened to be based on comics. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, that's what Hollywood, it took a long time for them to begin to learn and Warner still doesn't get it, even though they produced one of the finest examples there. We're losing you. We're losing you, Cole. It's all right. It's all right. But we, you know, I do, we do need to move on to, if we can get, oh, there he is. This is coming from the woman who got Helsinki'd by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> because you were, you were held captive for like nine days 
watching every single damn movie. That's true. That's and true. And then suddenly you you have this sort of Patty Hearst rapport with your captors. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. None finer than Iron Man three, and I still stand by that as the most important Marvel movie <laughs> that has ever been released. Um, we need to move on to um, Far From Home though. Because yeah. the other thing that this movie did that we didn't get with the Garfield movies and we didn't get with the McGuire movies, mainly because he was already 45, is we're getting to grow up with yes. Spider-Man. Which, in comics, Spider-Man was really the only character, and it, granted, it took a really long time, but he's the only comic book character that we grew up with started as a high school student and we got to grow up with him into college and we got to grow up with him out of college you know and him getting married his career story to be retrofitted like superboy right right they haven't they haven't really they've done him a lot of justice in his life without making him young again they've introduced new spider-men you know they've introduced miles morales that are young so that so that the young readers have somebody to identify with and they've done that really well. It's a very right. hard thing to do. They've done it and they've done a smashing job and I applaud them for that. But Spider-Man, I'm, you know, in my forties, Spider-Man is theoretically in his, you know, late thirties to forties. I grew up with Spider-Man from when I was in high school <laughs> on up and we're getting that we're getting this, this idea that this character is going to age with us and grow and experience and become better at what he does and make mistakes. Like the circus kids who should be 90 now. Right. They should be dead. Um, and what's crazy with the MCU because there, it, it has been totally catering to, non-readers and people who are just walking into a movie to see a movie and then they're like, oh, who's this Iron Man guy? Um, every character they've made have some level of relatableness or something that is drawing in different people. And, I mean, there's plenty of women my age who only go see Avengers movies to see Chris Hemsworth with his shirt off. And there's, you know... Plenty of reasons why people see the guys who go like, I want to see Scarlett Johansson and tight ass spandex outfit, whatever. But I think the coolest thing specifically about Spider-Man is even though we are seeing him grow up and some of us aren't teenagers anymore, it has that relatableness, which isn't a word, but I'm going to use it, <laughs> that even as, a, as an adult, you're like, man, I remember that or I – my mom won't watch Marvel movies, but she's seen the Spider-Man movies. She likes Tom Holland, and it's just that, like, a character you can root for, and even if you're not like, man, I'm, I'm in high school and I can relate to that, you can still appreciate it. And that, that moment in Homecoming where he's under the building, you know, get up, Spider-Man, and then you see that again in Far From Home where he is like, trying to decide do I want to be Peter Parker and just go on this vacation and be a kid or do I want to take on this huge responsibility and it's I don't know it those two films grasp at me and I was never a teenage boy who struggled with superpowers but it's that he's so relatable and he's so personable and you want to root for him and nailed it so I just I, I can't say enough about the, the casting and the directing of Tom Holland because they have 
created a Spider-Man for all ages, which is really pervy when you're my age and you're obsessed <laughs> with Tom Holland, but <laughs> I think that I'll, the, I'll relate I the shit out of you listening to the Ramones. <laughs> also with the relatability, a lot of that is stemming from the, his, him being a teenager and having to do teenager things like going to school, like being expected to be in school, and the interactions, more so than any of the other franchises, you get a really solid feel of him interacting with kids his own age. Right. Yeah, like, he just wants to kiss a girl during summer vacation, but he has to fight these otherworldly monsters, and... I mean, none of us can relate to the second half of that, but all of us can relate to that, like, oh, I, I really want to kiss only, this this person. Only one, it was in junior high, uh, a friend of mine was tranquilized by a, a black ops agent. <laughs> Just that one time? <laughs> Just the one time. It was a small town. Um, and it was completely by accident. It was during the cold war. A lot of that was going down. A lot of it. Well, and I think that the the other thing that they did with him that they didn't do so much with the other Spider-Men were they gave him, outside of just being, they recognized the fact that he was Peter Parker, right? Yeah. Um, and, the, and that he made relatable mistakes. Where, right. Where <laughs> in the other movies, they didn't so much make, you know, they spent so much time worrying about... Um, worrying about your villains you know worrying about those the, the, the mistakes became unre- the character became in some respects unrelatable which is something that spider-man should never be they gave spider-man relatable mistakes outside of or peter parker relatable mistakes outside of being spider-man you know like yeah he did just want to kiss a girl but he also was just you know making dumb mistakes constantly just like you do when you're a teenager and, exactly. and all of a sudden you're like, oh yeah, I relate to that. And in a metaphorical sense, you absolutely can relate to the second half. You know, like, like it's not a, it's not a completely, totally relatable. But we've all had situations where we've been, you know, forced to, forced to as an, you know, as a budding adult, identify something that's not good for us. You know, somebody, yeah. somebody that's toxic, and break away from that person, and that's what that was. You know, he looked at at Mysterio, which we have done an entire show on on that. It was mostly a show on Mysterio at that point, yeah. but which because it was such a phenomenal take on that character. But he looked at him as a, as a replacement for his mentor, you know, and and realizing that this was a toxic thing, regardless of whether you're wearing a, a high tech illusion suit or not, and having to get out of that situation is, you know. A, it's something I think we can all relate to. Maybe not at that level. It's a lot more relatable than one of your high school friends turning into an alien, you know, a symbiote-based uh, alien monster, <laughs> or your, or your, you know, your your weird mentor in, um, you know, well, becoming the lizard. But like, especially in the the Tobey Maguire movies, it puts a senior in senior high school. Right. 
damn it. Yeah, it did. So we've got to start thinking about wrapping this up at this point. Um, I want to point out a couple of things. I love uh, Far From Home, but it has one glaring, you know, this is the point where my suspension of disbelief hangs by a tenuous thread. All right, I'm here for it. And that is Mysterio's illusions, as powerful as they were, eventually somebody in every single one of the countries that was affected, uh, and again, Danae, uh, you won't have the frame of reference we did, but <laughs> actual Spider-Man villains like Hydro-Man and Molten-Man were sort of utilized as these elemental forces. Right. right. But eventually especially in the case of the the sandman was, was their their earth elemental was effectively let's get sandman out of the way but in pretty much all these cases somebody is eventually going to have to go in the aftermath and look for casualties and bodies and clean up and rebuild and while the illusions were compelling there would come a point where if mysterio's trying to play himself up as the hero and be like, how did your ass not get riddled with bullets? Right, right. Because something was making buildings crumble. Something was making cars blow up. Right. It wasn't physically there. And somebody is eventually going to, you know, all these countries aren't, you know, they've got forensics people who are going to come in and try to figure out what the hell these creatures were. And, you know, for elemental forces, there's a hell of a lot of shell casings everywhere. <laughs> right. For for two guys or three guys that don't use guns, yeah. there sure are a lot of bullets. It's like a damned war zone around here, and not a single shot was fired as far as anyone remembers. I mean, it was just, there was, it all happened back to back to back. They were still in crime investigating, CSIing. I mean, it was fine. Like some kind of floating Roomba going around sucking up all the shells. I love the fact that today is now trying to defend <laughs> defend this movie <laughs> because you have one thing in a superhero movie that, <laughs> that has that, that Honestly, has scrolls in it. You have I'm, one thing. I, I'm sure though the thing is, it's just proof positive. Helsinki syndrome. Yeah, she's so deep. She can't get out now. Completely affected her brain. I don't know. There was parts in in the movie where I was like, isn't there like someone far enough outside of it? Like they're like, that's an illusion. Like that looks like a big projector. Like there were some points. They're like, oh, they're the binoculars. Take a look. There's enough in there. (laughs) (laughs) That was so. I mean, there's been, like, accidentally flew into the illusion, and they're like, there's a lot of drones. <laughs> like, I don't Right, somebody looking at it from, like, above, you know. Exactly. Like, or somebody, let's say, with a drone. <laughs> right, just a guy with a drone. drone. But then, I, at the same time, the master stroke is, they're out. The Mysterio's deathbed out could also have been used in his defense and say the whole time it was Spider-Man doing all that crap. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, I the, the movie's great. Like, it, it's it's phenomenal. They did such a, a phenomenal job with 
the introduction of this Spider-Man with the the continuing growth of the character with giving him the solo movies with putting him in all of the further Avengers movies because we have we're not even get get a chance to talk about his you know you know the the Infinity War and Endgame spider-man appearances which i was gonna say is i didn't want to like backtrack or send us you know way far over but those his performance in both of those and the character growth in both of those films just made it even more apparent that we needed more solo films and that we needed to to see him grow continue to grow the heartbreaking um you know him staring his mentor in the eye as he's being effervesced Oh God! I also, because I didn't read the comics and I had no idea what I was getting into in Infinity War, and here I finally like am liking Marvel. I go into this film. I'm so excited, Spider-Man, and I'm like in my head, I'm like, I know we're gonna lose someone. It'll probably be Tony, and they take Spidey. <laughs> <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, I know he's gonna come back, but still, it. I cried for weeks, you guys. I I was I I'm an asshole though. (laughs) What was that? You had to take it even harder there in the holidays universe. In the holidays universe, we mourned for the entire year before the next movie came out. I think I brought this up when we were talking about Endgame. Is I love the Alamo Draft House in Dallas had these you know, studio-produced life-size standees of all the Avengers that were still standing after the snap. And yeah. they surround them with these huge jars and one little bitty one. Of ash. Black sand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and there was like a little bitty one for Ant-Man. A little, uh, but... Uh, well, I was the, the dick that, like, was happy at the end of the movie because I knew what was coming. Yeah. <laughs> So I was I was the asshole that was like I was yeah I was like looking around the theater like why is everybody so upset I don't understand why right. everybody's so upset because you know it's comic books like suffer the way I suffered for the past thirty years like that was the <laughs> that was the first time that I've had like that dick fanboy reaction like now you know how it feels now you know how it feels when somebody in you know when one of your favorite characters dies. <laughs> I mean, it was really, and I remember talking to you afterwards because I was a wreck. You were, I was you were not a literal okay. wreck. Yeah, you well, were a I literal was wreck. I was for several days, and when, I mean, I, I blame you, I blame Aaron, I blame Chris, <laughs> I blame Rick, I blame Roy, I blame Cole. All of you just kept pushing me, like you're you're gonna find that moment where where you you fall in, you find your place in the MCU, you find your place in the Marvel universe, and did I know it was going to be Civil War? Did I know it was going to be Spider-Man? No, but I feel like that character, and it did, I mean, it helps. He's, like, super dreamy, and he's very cute, and I'm not old enough to be a cougar, so shut up. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. You created an entire world in the multiverse based on your cougarism, literally. You willed that into existence. That is bringing cougar up to a puma level. Right. <laughs> I'm just like a big, I'm a cougar in training. Like, it's fine. Um, I just want to, like, I don't know if it would have happened if they would have cast someone else or if they would have written it differently. 
Um, Civil War also, I love Black Panther, so it did a lot for me as far as, you know, liking the MCU. But I think everything that they did after that and something that is so important about Spider-Man is all those little pieces started to make sense leading up to Endgame. And he was so important to that because, like, Tony wouldn't have cared. Like, Tony would have been like, you know what? You you guys go do it. I'm here with Morgan. We're eating cheeseburgers. Like, F off. But he wanted to make what was done wrong and make it right with Peter. And I think that put this emotional, I don't know, it put an emotional tug in that story that wouldn't be there and wouldn't have made in-game possible. Specific to the MCU. I don't know about the comic books, but I just feel like Spider-Man is is the, and that's going to sound super sick and not okay, the nail in the coffin. <laughs> um, we love you, Tony. Edith, I get it. You're whatever. But I just, bravo, they did really, really well with that. His whole character arc through those last few films, it just, I don't know. I I can't even put into words because I'm just so obsessed with it. I've seen all those movies at least ten times, if not twenty or thirty. <laughs> kind of gross to say out loud. Once I said said it, I was like, now I sound like a freak. Um, but I'm glad that they got that one character right enough that. Even when people are like, oh, Captain Marvel sucked. I was like, bro, she's badass. I don't even give a shit. She protected Spidey. But like, <laughs> they did But they did that with all, with basically all the characters, right? They, right? they built this out of all of the phases of the Marvel Universe. They made us they, – they gave us reason to care. They, they, yeah. they took it out of – the, they took it out of the norm of the you know the Hollywood blockbuster action movie and gave us a reason to really invest in these characters. Spider-Man's no different. You know they did it with Iron Man and they did it with Cap and they did it with Thor and they did it with um, you know the Hulk and and Scarlet Witch and especially Hawkeye. That was for me. That was the one. It was just like <laughs> Jesus, man. Like catch a break, much Hawkeye. But um, but yeah, I mean, so I think where we're gonna land on this is that after after you know the third time was the charm i guess is is where we're gonna land cole what do you think oh absolutely and, and i do want to you know backtrack just a bit as a an almost non sequitur that well, something that occurred to me just sort of running these films through my head more than they normally do anyway is that um they have brilliantly in homecoming Establish not only the potential for, but an absolutely reasonable reason for the Sinister Six. Okay. Right. Yes. The germ of the Sinister Six is the scene with Keaton and the guy that, you know, they're sort of like winking at Scorpion. Right. And it occurred to me, like, that's where they would form. Mm Mm-hmm is in prison. Yeah. Yeah. And it would be, for my money, what I need now is to have, if it's not the crux of the third Spider-Man feature, at least some more winking at that, where you yes. go revisit the prison and Keaton has surrounded himself 
with effectively, you know, there's this just gigantic ass guy who is going to be your rhino. Right. And you've got some, you know, creepy little, uh, you know, mad scientist type who's going to be your Dr. Octopus. Well, you nailed it. You know, not, not I, I don't want to, you know, toot your own horn too much. But to your horn, not your own horn. That that would be weird. Yeah. Um, but but, but you, it would be weird. But you nailed it when you were talking about before. It was right after the Avengers. You said, "This is how we get these villains now," because all of this yeah. alien tech has hit. And somebody has to take care of it. All of these guns, all of these you know, yeah. spaceships, all this stuff now lives in this world, it, which is exactly what we got in Homecoming. Um, yeah, the, the armor for air snakes, everything. Yeah. So, you know, we have – he has a, you know, a, a hand-picked army to choose from to build his Sinister Six, you know, and, and I don't think it's a get revenge thing, which I think is even better. I think it's a yeah. make money. It's a, it's a criminal enterprise. And exactly. you've got like, these set up you know, with the tech. Nobody's going to be able to touch us. Right. Which, you but know, kid. you didn't have a lot outside of Venom. You didn't have a lot of Spider-Man villains that were um, that were cosmic or magic or you most of what you had especially early on were tech based so you've got yeah. it all lit now laid out for you ready to go um yeah no you're and i think that we need that and i think we need that for for, for his further growth too you know he needs mm-hmm. to big leagues now you know that's that's where we're going is he's at the end of um far from home he has officially stepped into the big leagues um, but also what that allows you to do with a Sinister Six is for him to be the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Right. And go back and say, okay, enough international, enough intergalactic. This is out of my league. I'm nuts to be involved in any of this. And you go back home and you try to be that street-level hero, and all of a sudden the street is as <laughs> bad as – Right, the intergalactic and the international bad guys. That suddenly, super high tech criminal is occurring in your backyard. Right, right. Cosmic um, level threats are like are in the street. With, yeah, you know, bank robbers are coming in with cosmic tech and blowing everybody up. Right. Yeah. The way that they set that up with Mysterio too being like apparently it's just the amount of you know ridiculousness that people will believe. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think that's exactly what they're doing. They're setting that up like it could be anyone. It could be even people that we're seeing as heroes. Like here, we're gonna when he gets back, they've laid it out to honestly be get ready because all of this has led up to the ridiculousness in the neighborhood for a change. You don't have to leave home anymore to exactly. be Tony Stark level. Well, and they've also now officially introduced the best Spider-Man villain that you could ask for in, in um, J.K. Simmons, J. Oh, Jonah yeah. Jameson. Like, you'll, you're I never going to get that. I stood up and cheered. I was so happy. 
so so happy. If they would have cast anyone else, it would be morally wrong. He's just too perfect. He is literally too perfect. All right, all right. We got a lot. We've gone. But real quick, the fact that they went with him on Natural separates him from the prior franchise. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, the same character, same actor playing him, but there's enough difference that this is the MCU's Jonah, not Toby McGuire's Jonah, who was Peter's boss, who was like four years older. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You're a damn high school kid. I was, I became editor in chief of this thing when I was 16. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm 100% agree. Nine years ago. <laughs> when, Peter, I was running this. I was running this this newspaper while you were fighting in Korea. <laughs> All right, let's let's close this sucker down. Danae, I realized that you know um, you came to us somehow. Managed there was a there was a multiverse mind swap in there somewhere. So back on back on whatever planet you're from in the <laughs> Hollandaise universe uh, in the 626. Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? <laughs> do you have anything you want to plug out there? I just, just Tom Holland, obviously. I mean, he saved the franchise. He went to, he went to the Sony and Disney execs himself and was like, look, you guys need me. And he saved all of us. So that, and you it's could like savior. read my my blog, the the big bad mama wolf, if you want. But other than that, Tom, okay, everything is Holland. Oh, all right, let's keep just stay in character. See if I care. Um, Cole, why don't you give us the plugs for uh, Hey Kids Comics? This portion of this show. Absolutely. Well, here in uh, Earth one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve. Yeah, uh, you can uh, check both of those as well. You can uh, check us out at uh, the Jedi Cole Universe at JediCole.com. You can uh, write to us at JCUMail at Yahoo.com. And be sure and check me out uh, in my shameless self-aggrandizing plug on the first and third Sundays of every month on the Rams Corp Hit Live on DallasOnAir.com from 9.30 or from, sorry, from 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Central. It is the first and third Sundays of every month, preceded on the third Sunday of every month by my other show, Isle, A-I-S-L-E, Isle of Toys, where I, if we're, if we're extremely lucky, we'll be talking about the Toy and Action Figure Museum in Pauls Valley, Oklahoma. That's awesome. Where, as we're recording this in the morning of the time that I'm recording this, I'll be going up to Pauls Valley. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tomorrow um, morning, go to that damn action figure museum. That's not, there's nothing better than that. Um, all right, and uh, on our end at the socials, it's HK Comics Show all over the place. Um, yeah, so that's it. Buy, collect, enjoy your comics. Read Spider-Man. Watch these movies. Um, every time you do, um, a unicorn cries tears of gold on Hollandaise, I think. Is that how it works? That's, that's accurate. Please. Yeah. They need gold to survive. They need gold. They eat it there. They That's eat right. it there. <laughs> Oddly enough, they don't eat holidays. No. It's weird. You'd think, you'd think that, that they, they, they'd eat a lot of holiday sauce, but apparently blasphemy. 
a weird creamy yellowish sauce that just sort of flowed down rivers but no it's it's unicorn gold tears it's unicorn gold tears you know every time you watch one of the movies it happens so doesn't matter so, which one doesn't matter which one any but anyone. if you watch one with tom holland more tears more tears so many tears so oh, many tears so many tears that they're not allowed to play the theme song from Lost Boys there, which is no more tears. They're not allowed. They're, they're not allowed to play "Cry Little Sister" by Sister Mercy. Well, that's because that's Jamie Gertz and not Marissa Tomei. So, oh, oh wow. so only you're only allowed Marissa Tomei <laughs> movies. I thought it was just. I thought the universe started with Tom Holland's. What about what about uh, Mel Torme? What about Mel Torme? <laughs> No, not allowed. Okay. <laughs> what about things that rhyme with Marissa Tomei? Do you eat flambe in the hay in the month of May? Do oh you God. have a month of May? <laughs> I'm so curious. Well, all Every this, month of June. <laughs> all, all this and more well, like, on Hitchcock Comics. The franchise, the, the novels, the movies, uh, Fifty Shades of Tomei. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of a better way to leave. Say goodnight, folks. Good night. Good night. <laughs>